0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Showtime with Roman podcast, the not-so-feature-length podcast where I, your host, Roman RBC, brings on a guest, and we chat about our favorite thing in the entire world, movies. And this week I have on, after a very long hiatus, I was gone for a month, I didn't have internet, um, and I was like, when I come back, I gotta get a really cool guest. And it's actually someone that I got to know pretty well over the last month, and that is Paul
1: Oyama. Paul, how's it going, man? pretty good. You know, long-time listener, first-time caller. No, but I, I don't know. I'm excited <laughs> to be on the podcast. Uh, yeah, don't, don't call it a comeback. Roman's been here for years. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, you know, it, it was funny. I was watching Persona, and I had just gotten done watching Seven Samurai the day before, and we had started talking because you're a big Akira Kurosawa person. Some would say. You're a, Some would say. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> I think that out of all of the friends on my friends list on Facebook and that I've talked to, you are by far the biggest akira fan i've met so um we just started talking and i was watching persona and i was like okay i'll watch this only got like an hour left and then i'll go to bed and then there's that crazy sequence right in the middle that just really unsettled me and so i was up all night and so we just chatted for i think like five hours roughly um just about a bunch of stuff and i was like dang i gotta get this guy in the podcast and so now you're my first guest back um from being gone for a month and uh here we are we got a lot to talk about today um we got some san diego comic-con trailers and some new trailers that just dropped earlier today we're going to review mission impossible fallout which was my most anticipated film of the year and preview this week's wide release christopher robin and then we're going to talk about james gunn um and obviously um it's something that i don't know if i really wanted to do for a long time because i figured everything had been said about it but there's more information, more things to be said, and I think it's really important to talk about, especially to lend my perspective and even yours to the internet space. So of um, let's just get right into it. Oh, oh, before I do, you're a big fan of Suspiria, right?
1: Yes, yes. Please. Okay,
0: so I didn't want to lend it, we talked about this yesterday, I didn't want to lend an entire topic or segment to talking about a, the runtime, because, well, the runtime for Suspiria was released, and it's like two and a half hours, Are uh, pretty close to that, and the original, the Dario Argento film is like an hour and a half, or like an hour and 40 minutes, I think. Um, And that runtime flies by. Perfect runtime for that film. And now uh, Luca Guadagnino is going for a a rock-solid two-and-a-half-hour runtime. Um, There's obviously not many thoughts to give, but do you think that he's just going to add more? Do you think he's just going to... Because based off the trailer, it felt like he was giving us these elongated shots. Much more lengthier pace, so... Uh, how do you feel about that? Just yeah, briefly, it,
1: it seems like he's giving more of a lived-in feel rather than sort of the get-in, get-out um, sort of Argento approach. But I mm-hmm. think it—I it, don't know—it makes sense. Um, Lucas' other movies are all over two hours, so I wasn't surprised that it was longer than the original. Yeah. It was a little longer than I expected, but yeah, like like you said, like there's not really much to be gleaned from runtime, especially when we haven't really like seen much outside of like that first trailer and stuff.
0: Yeah, um, and, and you know it. I can't say you can't say it's a good runtime or a bad runtime. I mean, you can't really judge until you see the film. Um, but you know, I'm I'm curious. I'm definitely interested. I'm th- really excited for the film. It's one of my most anticipated of the year. Um, I'm not gonna I'm gonna see it in theaters, and I usually don't see horror films in theaters just because one audiences are garbage, and two I that I mean the theater experience is a cathedral. And I don't know if I want to sit in, like, a super large auditorium getting the pants scared off of me. Oh, really? So, but I'm, I'm pumped for Suspiria. That's why I'm waiting for Hereditary to drop on VOD so I can watch it at home at 9 a.m. See,
1: I'm the total opposite. <laughs> I, I like watching horror in the theater because it's, like, a visceral reaction that you're having, like, with other people. I don't know. It's just
0: yeah, interesting. I, I mean, it's just, I've never had a bad theater growing experience in my life, and I'm not about to let it happen ever. And <laughs> horror movies are the ones that do it. Horror movies and MCU movies terrify me the most. <laughs> um but anyways um san diego comic-con was a couple weeks ago um and they dropped a lot of awesome trailers a lot of confusing trailers um we're going to talk about a couple of them briefly and then we're going to get into some recently released trailers outside of san diego comic-con um so we're going to start with shazam um i'm going to go first and just say i thought this was the best trailer we've gotten in a long time uh recently with the release of incredibles 2 after 14 years obviously very excited um it didn't quite live up to expectations, and I found myself realizing that I was kind of distancing myself from superhero films in the connection I had towards them. Because I feel like for a long time, even though I loved like Wonder Woman and I loved Black Panther, um, that's obviously made and geared towards a demographic that it doesn't fit for me. Because obviously I'm just a you know standard white male, <laughs> and that <then, laughs> was geared more towards like the black demographic and the female demographic, respectively. And then, for, like I said, for a long time, I just was like, there's not really anything for me anymore. Because although I love Batman v. Superman and Man of Steel, obviously not very beloved. But Shazam, just Shazam. every single part of that trailer I loved. I laughed. I thought Zach Levi's casting was incredible. Um, and I'm just excited. It just feels like a genuine, honest, earnest superhero film. And I seriously cannot wait. It's my most anticipated comic book movie for the next couple years. I'm stoked. Wow. So, what what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've I'm not totally in the same camp, superhero wise. I think like a lot of my favorite stuff has actually been you know really recent. Um, mm-hmm. When you look at like Logan, Black Panther, Wonder Woman, stuff like that. But yeah, this I like this trailer a lot. Like you said, the, the Zach Levi casting is pretty great. Like it's just like I don't know if you know the show Chuck, but this trailer felt like if Chuck Bartowski became a superhero, and that's kind of <laughs> hilarious to me. Um, yeah, the whole gag with his his Foster brother when he's in the beginning when he's like, oh, you know. I'm a, a foster kid with disabilities. I, I got it perfect. You know, that, I, that cracked yeah. me up. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was just like a really fun feel. It felt, had that sort of coming of age vibe, um, mm-hmm. which is definitely something that, that drew me in personally. And I think, yeah, it just looks yeah. really exciting and, and fun, I guess, most of all, which is sort of the most important yeah.
0: thing here. Yeah, I, I usually don't like to say the word fun when describing the way I'm feeling, but it, it genuinely feels that way because – Everyone, like, was complaining, like, oh, my God, I can't believe they put the floss dance in a superhero movie. How stupid. It's like, this is a kid. This is a teenager with superhuman abilities. He's going to do silly things. I would probably dab if I was able to turn into a superhero <laughs> on camera. I would do it
1: twice, right hand and left hand. Oh, God. Okay. So, um, but. You weren't kidding about no, being the what the what the the standard white male, by the way. You yeah. Know, dab, dabbing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it,
0: it looks really good. I can't wait. My brothers are so excited. Um, but, yeah, I can't wait. Um next up also released at wb's uh conference at san diego comic-con aquaman uh releasing later this year i'm going to go ahead and let you start with this one what are your thoughts on that aquaman trailer
1: yeah so the the aquaman movie itself is just something that i've been really excited for for a while um on a a Mm -hmm. couple of fronts and this trailer it was i thought it was good not great um i did love sort of the feel that a lot of the actors are going for in their performances i thought that um Momo was seen better, like, more enjoyable in this than I found him in Justice League, which in Justice mm-hmm. League, I just was not interested in his character at all. It was a little too bro and over-the-top, but I think that Juan sort of nails um, a little, a slightly more reserved version of that. I was excited mm-hmm. to see sort of his journey from being a kid to being an adult, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm mostly just stoked, because, like, to seeing, like, a for me, at least, seeing, like, a, an Asian filmmaker and a Pacific Island, like, hero is, like, really exciting, yeah. and, like, a different type of representation that I hope gets the sort of push that you get from um, other recent movies that you sort of mentioned. Um, I'm pumped for Patrick Wilson, who I think is like an incredibly yes. underrated actor. Um, I think he, he elevates every movie that he's in, and he just looks like I think he's going to be like a perfect casting for this. I, I saw a lot of people talking about Amber Heard not being good. I thought she was solid from what I've seen in the trailer. Um, she I thought sold the you know the queen sort of vibe that they're going for there and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff about like the cgi that's it's a little cgi hedgy heavy cgi Mm -hmm. heavy (laughs) the city (laughs) but i think that's like not necessarily a problem and that's kind of just going to happen when you're filming an underwater yeah. magical city of atlantis like i'm not sure did you want them to like film real fish and like i don't know <laughs> come on yeah
0: come on, um yeah i thought the trailer was okay um aquaman was my least favorite part about justice league um, amongst all the other things that film i seriously did not like him his characterization was so flat there's no writing there. underwritten um in this one i you know i didn't even think about it till i saw uh, some some tweets after I watched the trailer, but they were like they were going for a sort of Blade Runner type of look for Atlantis. And I rewatched the trailer with that mindset, and I was like, I'm kind of digging that uh, with the technology, with the way that the city looks, and sort of like dwarfing these characters amidst this like beautiful, larger than life world. Um, and I'm I'm excited on that front visually. Um, I I don't think I've seen any of James Wan's work ever really tv film uh, yeah i don't think i've seen a single piece i guess you're not a, you're not um, a big horror guy but yeah, that yeah crazy. yeah exactly my brother he's a big james wan fan is one of his favorite filmmakers he said if he were to direct films he'd want to direct it like james wan um he said that he's really excited because of the way that he's able to move the camera i haven't seen the conjuring films and everyone tells me i would love them but he says the way he uses the camera to and utilizes space um, is something that really excites me because it's something that I appreciate a lot when I see a movie. It's like if you can do something unique with the camera, then you've already got me, like at least at generally liking the film. And so I was kind of getting vibes in the trailer. Um, the part that concerns me the most is the dialogue, um, and I don't, I'm not a big fan of Jason Momoa as a performer. Um, they are going for that more dude broy type, but it does seem a little more reserved. And I think that James Wan's going to be able to deliver on that front. And I also appreciate outside of. Se- Uh, Suicide Squad. The DCEU has done a really good job of showcasing these kids when they are showcasing these heroes as when they're kids and they're kind of dealing with sort of these hardships. And I I think that's one of the most amazing things about this universe that no other universe has done and I really appreciate that because it sort of lends like a larger scope to that character's arc. I mean Man of Steel obviously has very uh, non-linear plot in that film and i was that's one of the reasons i love it so much is because i was able to get immersed in that character and that character's journey and i think that although it's brief and like wonder woman and especially bvs because we've seen batman's origin so many times we're gonna get that again in aquaman and we're definitely gonna get that in shazam so uh i'm really excited um for aquaman i think it's gonna be a pretty decent film um but yeah it's pretty solid
1: so um i i but by the way yeah that your your point about the way Juan uses the camera like he leads into space a lot is something that he heavily uses in the conjuring i think yeah like that's definitely like spot on that he's not necessarily inventive but like super creative when it comes to his approach of shooting like scenes that are otherwise could be like way more simple
0: yeah um i'll probably check out some of his work before i see aquaman just so i can uh, because when i write my review i want to make sure i'm a little more uh Literate with his work. So yeah. um, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, next up is Godzilla, one of the most popular trailers, a lot of people's favorite trailer. I thought the trailer was fantastic. I, the way it looks, uh, I believe it's directed by Michael uh, Dougherty. I believe it's how it's pronounced. He did Trick or Treat. Doherty, and he didn't. Yeah. 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 So I haven't seen Trick or Treat, but everyone says it's one of the favorite cult classic, like Halloween movies. Um, and I'm really excited. The visuals knocked my socks off uh the music was incredible the pairing of that and it just felt very epic um a lot of people are like oh finally they're gonna give us so many monsters and i, I question if those people have seen the original godzilla because <laughs> the original godzilla doesn't really have a lot of godzilla in it either and it's more so a science fiction piece about you know humanity and toying with things they shouldn't toy with and so um i love the 2014 godzilla film i think is one of my favorite experiences ever uh went with like six other people and when godzilla uh his nuclear br- uh breath lit up and he shot he was shooting at the uh the emp monster or whatever yeah. what an experience the whole theater roared it was incredible so what are your thoughts on the godzilla king of monsters trailer
1: yeah i i really dug it as well i, w- I will say if you're gonna tout him doing trick-or-treat he also did Krampus, which is pretty bad frankly um which is his more recent work but yeah overall i'm still pretty excited um i love kyle chandler so i just love seeing him in a movie like this it yes really fits, so underrated fits really well um O'Shea jackson jr just <laughs> typecast i guess as a soldier again which is interesting <laughs> but yeah no i'm i, I like like i like it from a visual standpoint i think it's it's really interesting um i mm-hmm. yeah i liked godzilla 2014 a lot as well i liked the more reserved um style that gareth edwards went for with that and not mm-hmm. just having like a kid bashed together two uh, action figures the entire time um mm-hmm. i actually liked the minimalism with not showing godzilla as much um but yeah yeah i'm excited for this um i'm not sold on millie bobby brown as sort of the lead but i think that that'll mm-hmm. be something that that sort of develops as time goes on um Yeah, I'm overall pretty excited for the movie. Um, Definitely think I'm going to like it more than Kong Skull Island, or at least I hope so.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I've seen Kong once. I have it on Blu-ray. My brother just moved out, and I think he brought it with him, Um, but I'll definitely be giving it another go. Um, Millie Bobby Brown, I don't love Stranger Things, but I think she's a really talented performer, and I think she showcases the most range out of all the other actors that I've seen on there Um, outside of uh, – what's his face that's going to be hell boy i'm forgetting his name right ron now. ron perlman no no David no, Harbour. no. David Harbour, yeah yes about? there <laughs> we go up. Um, <laughs> but, but um no uh yeah i'm excited for her i'm excited for vera can never pronounce her last name she's gonna be Flamiga. great kyle, yes Flamiga. and uh kyle chandler it's good cast i'm excited um hopefully it just doesn't turn into like this over bloated affair but i was talking to my brother um about it he's a huge monster fan uh because he hadn't seen any of the trailers all day and i showed him all of them and i saved godzilla for last because he's such a huge fan and so he watched it like six times in a row and so we were kind of talking about you know how we anticipate like what could happen in the third act because he's gonna fight king Ghidorah, right i mean yeah, we saw that yeah. big shot in there and so obviously it's in the same universe as kong and so i pitched the idea to him i was like what if godzilla is just getting handed handed to him right like he's just taking on like this three-headed monster and he's just getting his ass whooped and then all of a sudden you just see this furry fist just fly into frame and just wallop this monster in the face and you see godzilla and kong team up in the third act i think that would like be just monumental one of the most monuments it's probably not going to happen but i would would say the title
1: says it's probably going to be a solo effort by godzilla but that would definitely be an interesting way to approach that
0: yeah, um, I'm excited. Um, next up um, is Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. So you said you had a very interesting opinion about this one.
1: I am probably one of the world's biggest Harry Potter fans, and I'll let you start. Um, I don't know if it's that interesting of an opinion. Um, I just am <laughs> still angry about the about Johnny Depp uh, replacing yeah. an actor who is like at least ten times better than him and way more interesting. Uh yeah. yeah i mean the trailer i thought was cool from a visual standpoint i thought it was more visually interesting than like a lot of the later harry potter fair, which kind of blends together for me um okay th- even though i like the movies i think that sort of visually they got stale um i think this is sort of an interesting direction to take i think um i'd love to see more catherine waterston who um uh, uh, much like her character feels really overqualified for this movie, in my opinion, <laughs> in, in her role. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I really don't like Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. That's like I'd call it Fantastic Sleeps. That was like one of my least favorite movies, um, twenty sixteen. But I mean, I'll, I'll potentially give this a shot. I don't know. I'm not. I'm still not super in on Redmain as uh, as Newt Scamander. But mm-hmm. it was yeah it was it was something I guess and I I do like Jude Law in this so we'll, yeah we'll see we'll see how this movie turns out I don't know what did you think about it
0: yeah um well I I don't think I've, there's a single bad film in the Harry Potter franchise including Fantastic Beast. I think um they're all at least good um I think there's some issues in the first one and the second one and Fantastic Beast is right towards the bottom with Order of the Phoenix um but it's the trailer to me it just it seemed very busy and i don't know if i like jude law's dumbledore and i think johnny depp might be able to bring something but it just seems like something that we've seen before and then i personally love eddie redmayne as a newt scamander i think that he fits the characterization of a hufflepuff house character very very well um in fact i'm actually probably working on a video essay in defense of him but um i think that uh it looks like it could be fun visually. It looks like a lot of cool things are going on. And that's what I'm excited about. Uh, I wish Colin Farrell was a part of it. Catherine Watterson. They always give these movies a great cast. Um, and That's one of the reasons that uh, they end up being so popular is because it definitely brings in that UK audience and then obviously the American audience is more commercial. But um, I'm excited but at the same time hesitant and I'm feeling the exact same way I was about the original Fantastic Beasts where it's a part of this universe that I love but I just don't know... I mean, this is going to sound like a super big shot at the MCU, but I'm just saying I really wish sometimes that they didn't exist just so all these movies didn't have to feel like they had to be spinoffs. And I wish these studios didn't think they had to make everything interconnected, and I wish they could go off and gallivant and tell their own stories. And it just it frustrates me um, because what we're going to talk about later with Mission Impossible Fallout, it's everything I love about franchise filmmaking when franchise filmmaking is at its best um but crimes are going to the world looks okay i'm a big harry potter fan i'll be there day one i'll bring my wand that i got at universal i'll probably wear robes i'll probably wear my hufflepuff pants whatever but it's it's whatever we'll see i will, um, I will
1: say interestingly enough for someone who's an author i think that jk rowling is a pretty awful screenwriter like i think that the biggest flaw of the first movie is probably yeah. the writing <laughs> um Aside from the casting of Johnny Depp, obviously, but yeah, yeah. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if she s- spices that up at all, or if the dialogue is still like pretty stale, like I thought it was in the first movie. Yeah, I just
0: wish that David Yates wasn't directing
1: anymore because <laughs> he's directed
0: the last. Let's see, he directed Order of the Phoenix, Half Blood, Deathly Hollows One and Two, Fantastic Beasts. That's six. it's that is six films in the in a row in the same franchise, and. I mean, you've got a franchise that was built off of the foundation of, uh, well, who was it? Corran that did three, right? So well,
1: yeah, it was Chris
0: Columbus and then the, Quaron and then
1: yeah, it sort of changed.
0: Mike into, Newell and then yeah, yeah and then okay, then Yeats, so it became but, a
1: Yates affair from there.
0: Yeah, it just kind of became his thing, and it makes me mad. I wish he could have got at least like Order of the Phoenix and Half Blood Prince, which I think is one of the best ones, um, but. I just wish they would get someone new, just so they can just do something different with the camera, do something cool. I mean, you've got a franchise here. Do what Mission Impossible does. But I'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> so next up is one of the most interesting, like, plot lines for me as an as a oh. entity. Oh, God. So when Venom was announced, I was like, okay – Sony's doing the thing. I don't mind it. I like that Sony isn't just going to make everything connected because I feel like that would make everything stale if everything is a part of the same universe, boring, blah, blah, blah. First trailer came out. I generally liked it because I thought that it conveyed this sense of like uh, the symbiote sort of overtaking you and sort of how you react and sort of how you lash out and it can sort of personify that um, with a more tangible uh, symbiote. Um, The second trailer came out, thought it was awful. In this third trailer... Okay. <laughs> Tom Hardy is one of my favorite performers ever. He's one of the best working right now. Multi-talented. Unbelievably talented. He always gets his face covered, but he always brings it with his eyes. He's got really good physical acting. It's a great gift. But, But someone posted after they saw the trailer, he sounded like a little kid. The dialogue is so... Ooh, let this man be a journalist, seriously. Yeah, I know. I don't even believe he's a journalist. One, he's way too good looking. Two, it's like he's just this super stocky guy. I mean, it just—he sounds like an idiot. He goes my name is eddie block i'm a reporter Uh, it's just like (laughs) oh it's just so bad um what i will say is i thought the visual effects were kind of cool and i think they're gonna do something kind of unique with the action but even then like with just the venom like spurting out of his back or whatever it's just so stupid um, and then that sequence towards the end, he's, like, talking to this guy at the gas station. For some reason, I feel like I remember it word for word, but he's like, I'm going to bite off your arms and your legs, and you're going to look like a doormat. Except it sounds significantly no, worse no, because his he, voice he sounds like, like, like he's drowning under. That
1: was odd. Aw- that was so bad. Yeah.
0: yeah. He goes, you'll be flying away not like even a bird in the wind. That's not even, like, a yeah. real phrase. <laughs> I know, it just... I, it just looks awful. It looks absolutely
1: awful. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, so I, I'm not sure what my thoughts are really. Um, like much like you, I was pretty disappointed with just the the way that the Eddie Brock character seems to be playing out in front of our eyes. Um, he doesn't really feel like a reporter in any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, that scene, the the scene at the very very end of the trailer is what really really like turned me off. When yeah. he's like, telling the guy like we're like we're Venom and it's just oh man the way it's written is bad the director is like the biggest one hit wonder i've ever seen um he directed a, uh he made zombie land but then he went on to make 30 minutes or less gangster squad and like Oof. the worst episodes of some actually good television shows so uh yeah, ruben fleischer would not be high on my on my list but <laughs> um and i'm really excited for riz ahmed gets wasted in a blockbuster part three part three this time uh yeah a great, great actor just never utilized right in big movies i feel like michelle
0: but. williams is in this too
1: yeah I'm, I'm excited i mean i'm excited for jenny slate and michelle williams two of my favorite actresses um mm-hmm. i think they'll be good and fun anytime they're on screen but i'm just i don't know nervous for the overall direction of the movie i did like at the end that sort of like wry smile that tom hardy gives that sort of gave me a hint of oh maybe this could be could be fun yeah. but yeah i don't i don't love just the way that he talks to this to the symbiote like the way so their stupid. conversations kind of play out we're sort of turning me off so i'm yeah not, it just not, seems not like it. as stoked on this movie as i would have been if he told me it was a tom hardy riz Ahmed, michelle williams um uh, jenny slate venom movie like that sounds like it would yeah be cool
0: yeah it just the, the dialogue i can't get over it, it sounds just horrible Um, But Woody Harrelson is apparently in this too. Um, He might be playing Carnage. That's the rumor. One of the greatest character actors probably to ever live. Um, So he'll probably be wasted and set up for a sequel we'll never see. Um, So uh, that'll do it for the blockbuster uh, trailer talk. Now on to one of my most anticipated films of the year with one of the most incredible casts of the year. uh, Boy Erased starring Lucas Hedges. If you don't know anything about this movie, uh, it's kind of eerily relevant. Um, So this kid he um he's going through how old is he? he's like a teen right or he's I like
1: think a young... he's he's 19 i think
0: it's like yeah he's 19 yeah so he's sort of going on this journey and sort of discovering you know his sexuality and stuff like that and he's a stout catholic in a stout catholic family um and he his parents find out that he's um how would i phrase it i mean i don't know if i don't want to sound like so basically, he finds out that he's gay, or not finds out. Sorry. See, this is what I'm saying. So, anyways, <laughs> he basically <laughs> uncovers something about himself, and so yeah. his parents find out, and then they want to send him to this camp where they believe that if he goes there, he'll be trained to be straight because I, they I believe think that camp
1: might be a uh, a little too of a right safe word. Yeah, a, little, a, little um, soft a prison. On that. A prison.
0: <laughs> he's get sent to like this prison area, um, and. Joel Edgerton is there it's directed by Joel Edgerton who directed The Gift one of my favorite thrillers of the last few years um and it looks just very very sad very relevant uh very powerful Lucas Hedges is one of the most dynamite young actors working today we're gonna see him for decades and I cannot wait um and it just Russell Crowe's in there and it just looks like a really great family drama that is going to cause some controversy but bring up some discussion and um i'm i'm really genuinely excited i cannot wait to be there uh there's obviously oscar nomination talk but it's only july so who knows maybe just becomes like a heavy-handed like ham-fisted effort but what are your
1: thoughts on uh, boy erased I will make a small correction. I believe he's in a Baptist family, not a Catholic one. So I'm sure all you all you Catholics that are out there sa- sounding oh, okay. off right now, you can you can ease up on that. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I'm really excited for this movie. Um, yeah, Edgerton, I think, is really interesting as a director. I think coming from the acting background, he's got like an, a unique perspective sort to bring to that whole that whole realm. But mm-hmm. I mean, I'm stoked for Nicole Kidman in like a movie that I'm actually excited about for the first time in like a really long time. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you said, Hedges is great young actor i love seeing um fat russell Crowe as like my favorite russell Crowe, so that, that's something that i'm personally really pumped for uh, yeah. yeah it'll be super interesting um i think it's it's set in boston so i think that sort of baptist culture really mm. is strong yeah. there that just general um the sort of religious feel in that community is something that's sort of enhanced by the area that he's in and yeah it's um it's interesting this and uh Miseducation of Cameron Post two gay conversion therapy movies coming out in the same year both ones that I'm really excited for um Mm -hmm. thought this was a great trailer super excited I'm sure it'll get a lot of awards buzz at the very least if not you know awards love itself but yeah I'm I'm stoked for this movie
0: yeah I'm, I'm really excited um growing up in a in a very, I mean, not so much now, but growing up in a household that's very strict on like following like, you know, faith and everything and not questioning it and kind of just listening to your parents and pastors and whatnot. It was, you know, it's kind of scary like looking back in hindsight and then kind of seeing what these movies are conveying to me recently, especially with this year's first reformed and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, we're kind of in a really interesting era of film right now where every film, even if it's intentional or not, seems like relevant, which. I guess, well, that's kind of the point of film to begin with. I mean, <laughs> I always use this example because people are like, oh, I like to go to the movies for escapism. And I'm like, oh, I don't think you should really relegate movies to that because I feel like, look at, there's a, listen, Drago is a Russian for a reason in Rocky IV. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just an accident. It's not a coincidence. Um, so movies have always been like that. And I'm, and I'm excited for Boy Race. I think it's going to be a really powerful film. So, um, I'm gonna let you go ahead and start with uh if Beale Street could talk directed by Barry Jenkins who is the Oscar winning uh director of Moonlight 2016's best picture winner um we kind of talked about it briefly because I literally just watched it before we started recording what are your thoughts on one of your most
1: anticipated films of the year yeah so it's it's my second most anticipated of the year overall my most anticipated that's yet to be released um I have a pretty long-standing relationship with Barry Jenkins as a filmmaker. I've been a fan of his ever since his two thousand eight movie uh, *Medicine for Melancholy*, which mm-hmm. is a phenomenal, a phenomenal drama as well. But yeah, *Moonlight* is in is one of my top, my favorite films of all time. Um, I know it's fairly recent, but I just love that movie to pieces. And um, this is a great novel. I've actually read the novel by James Baldwin. Cool. Um, and this is a movie that I'm super excited for. I love this trailer. It's again, Barry Jenkins is someone who I think is. Um, the way that I, I sort of phrase it is that he's kind of visually quiet but emotionally loud and I think that mm. the motion wow. the emotion in his films is really is really um, pressing and on the surface and I think it's it's bubbling up um, in every scene I loved the relationship between all the characters in this and I think that the con- the confliction sort of um, with you know this woman who's sort of fighting for her for her husband I don't want to get too much into it um, just because I'm not sure how much how the Movie will reveal and not reveal certain aspects of the movie, but um, yeah, I'm mean, really excited for this sort of family drama and to see um, people fighting for their loved ones and stuff like that. So, yeah, what, what did you think of the trailer? I thought it was fantastic. I,
0: I'm not a big fan of Moonlight again. We talked about it briefly before we started recording. Uh, I thought it was good. Um, I do, outside of his dialogue scenes. Um, that he shot I really appreciate his camera work and you nailed it I mean you heard my verbal response it was that's pretty much the way I saw the trailer is like it felt like someone was blowing a bubble and I was just waiting for it to pop but it wasn't popping and I just was you know it just seems like something is gonna happen in the film that is just gonna that I don't anticipate and that it's gonna be emotionally resonant and very loud um, and very powerful and it just looks incredibly well acted Um, I know it's obviously cut up and it's edited in certain ways and scenes don't line up with each other, but you just, every actor you saw on screen, not a super familiar face in the crowd, just a lot of great performers. And it seems like a very personal film uh, to Barry Jenkins. That's kind of the vibes I was getting from the way that he was shooting like characters walking in the streets, uh, set to the backdrop of these households and, it just looks incredible. I really cannot wait. It shot right up there, uh, right near Boreo Race, is one of my most anticipated films of the year. I seriously cannot wait. He's obviously coming off of Moonlight, so there's lots of hype for that. Yeah, so I, I'm excited.
1: I, I, again, on on the actor thing, I thought it was interesting. There was, like he he basically only showed the black actors in the cast because um, mm-hmm. like Ed Skrein, Pedro Pascal, um, Dave Franco, I believe, are all also in this movie, but he chose to oh, focus really? on on yeah on the black characters which i think are gonna be a, more of a focal point anyway but mm-hmm. um i'm psyched to see brian tyree henry one of my favorite actors um of the last few years i'm a huge huge atlanta fan and he's having like a crazy year if you look at like the movies that are coming out just this year alone he's gonna be in this he's gonna be in um he's gonna be in white boy rick he's gonna be in widows he's gonna be in spider-man oh, so Into good. the spider-verse um and he was also just in uh, hotel Artemis. so Brian Tyree Henry's had like a hell of a year, it's at least shaping out to be that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, He's. Uh, I haven't seen any of his other work, but I'm excited because the, he. there's a couple shots in the trailer where I was like, damn, that dude can act. Yeah. So um, I'm excited. Um, so that'll do it for the first topic. We covered uh, a lot of ground there with the trailers. Next up, I'm, so I was really bummed out I didn't have internet to preview Mission Impossible Fallout because my most anticipated film of the year. Um, but I saw it last week in IMAX with my mom and dad. Um, and so we're going to review that because you saw it on Sunday, right?
1: I saw it on oh. Monday.
0: Okay, so you yeah. saw it on Monday. And then uh, we're going to preview Christopher Robin briefly. Um, so Mission Impossible Fallout, first things first. Obviously, lots of expectations going in. It's got the highest rated uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. So the most people, most amount of people like it, 97%. Um, or most pe- most of the people at least like it. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so. I just, I ate up every inch of that film. Every second. Um, I, it just does this thing that I love when you can tell that a director just is really passionate about something and still is inspired by many of the works that came before it. And he's setting up the franchise for things to come after. And I just feel like what he accomplishes here, Christopher McQuarrie, who's slowly turning into one of my favorite personalities. He's a great presence on Twitter. I just actually listened to a podcast with him. um, It's a great interview. Yeah, great interview. Yeah, he's, he's just a really talented dude. And what he does is, he was kind of just talking about in this interview, he was saying stuff along the lines about how working with Tom Cruise... You know people obviously a lot of people don't like him for a lot of very fair reasons um but he said that there's this persona around him and people don't know him quite as much as they don't know him as well as they think and yeah. he was saying that they're like oh well you know people think he's doing it to stroke his ego and stuff like that he's doing this because he genuinely cares And he genuinely wants to, you know, blow people's minds and watch things from an audience perspective. Um, I was talking to my best friend Tyler last week, and he was telling me that after that Macquarie and Cruz watched the premiere screening, Cruz, it was his first time seeing the film in full. He leans over to Macquarie and says, we can do better. And knowing (laughs) and hearing that, it makes me think, how? What they accomplish in this film is nothing short of spectacular in terms of spectacle, in terms of uh, intensity. The camera work, Rob Hardy's cinematography is just unbelievable. Um, Lorne Belf's score is just got Mad Max vibes, Hans Zimmer vibes, Black Panther vibes even. Uh, it's just a movie that is constantly moving. The first 20 minutes are pretty methodical, very brisk. Um, but it sets you right back into that universe and gears you up for a very long, very intense a very sweaty two hours. Um <laughs> it's it's an incredible film. I mean I it pays homage to Bond, Jackie Chan, uh the raid. There's a shot directly out of the raid. Um there's a shot directly out of uh the Jackie Chan film in the Bronx. Um Rumble in the Bronx. In the Bronx. And yeah. And uh it's just wow. Just what a dynamite film. I loved every second. The whole cast was great. Tom Cruise is just bringing it to another level and the Paris sequence is like 20 to 30 minutes long. And I don't think I breathed once and my palms were sweating and my hands weren't even clenched. It just blew me away. I, I, just an incredible film. Um, what are your thoughts on mission impossible fallout? Cause we haven't even talked about it. I don't even know what you think. So, yeah.
1: So, so coming in, I was, I was admittedly really nervous. Um, I love mission impossible. It's one of my favorite franchises that I think um, is so consistently excellent. I think even my least favorite, uh, which is two is still a solid movie. Um, I recently rewatched the first movie and gained a a pretty big appreciation for that so and then plus the reaction from you know the reviews and everything that I was seeing it was it was crazy when you see someone like David Ehrlich giving this a five out of five I'm like it just gets real crazy anticipation for me Um, and for the most part it lived up to that Uh, I thought it was a really excellent movie I think that um, there's a couple parts that are lacking very slightly I think that I was not totally into the Cavill character. I think that mm-hmm. he performed it well, but I think that the way he's characterized as as someone who just doesn't seem like he's that smart for a spy. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think he, he got outsmarted a little easy for my taste. I thought the action, though, was impeccably crafted. Um, and it's crazy because for something that's that goes through such like incredulous action scenes, it feels so rooted in reality, which I think is yeah. something that's, that's really impressive um, when you have those scenes that are these crazy stunts like the helicopter stuff at the end but it just feels like it's you're so in in there with them Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of that I think has to do with the way that McQuarrie shoots the action where he doesn't really he doesn't use wide shots a lot especially in these action scenes so I think you feel like you're just sort of encased in this environment the entire time you don't really get time to breathe and I think Mm -hmm. that sort of ramps up the tension and um, puts you like in the shoes of the characters especially when you're following them on car chases and stuff, the way that he shoots car chases, I think is, is really interesting. Um, I yeah. thought, I thought that a huge, huge plus for me was Vanessa Kirby, I thought she brought um, a sort of sensuality to the movie that I haven't yeah. seen since Vanessa Redgrave in the first movie. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought every time she was on screen, she was, she was dynamite. Um, I thought Sean Harris was really good still as Sol- Solomon Lane yes. as the only sort of recurring villain that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, Rebecca Ferguson just kind of has that it factor on screen. You sort of just have to pay attention to whatever she's doing. Um, I love seeing Michelle Monaghan back. Um, It was a nice paycheck for Angela Bassett to, like, sit on FaceTime and then have, like, (laughs) two scenes where she's walking across a a, a building walkway. But I thought she was still pretty solid in those scenes. And, yeah, Cruz is just doing Cruz things. Um, A lot of people say he started to show his age. At least in this, I didn't really see it. I think he still looks really young. And man, that scene, that sequence in the bathroom was for me my favorite action sequence. Yeah, I thought that was incredible. I mean, the choreography alone, and then the performance by um, the fake Lark was 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 incredible. I thought the like all the action stuff that he was doing, the sort of two on one, him fighting Cruz and Cavill at the same time, was insanity. That was a, I thought that was a phenomenal yeah. scene. But yeah, overall excellent, excellent movie. Um, I think it's it's firmly in my top five of the year as of right now. And yeah, just, I was stoked. I would, I would love to go go back and watch it again.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I knew what to expect going in, but I got what I expected and then more. It just, the whole cast just brings it in. It's the first time a director is returning, and I'm glad it's Macquarie out of the bunch. Um, and it's the first time that there's a recurring villain. And it just, I mean, Rogue Nation is still my favorite because it is one i've seen more i've only seen this one once you know and i think that rogue nation what it does is it's just the way it's written and the way that it's directed and sort of presenting because i just recently watched the 1934 version of the man who knew too much from alfred hitchcock mm. wasn't a fan yeah, uh, but there's a you saw,
1: he remade it that's just serious. yeah
0: I, it's <laughs> so strange i was i was like there's i know there's two of these films i know there's one with james stewart but i'm watching this one but is it Hitchcock? Because everyone said, the other one's Hitchcock too? So did he remake a movie he already made? Yeah. So yes, that is true. But um, And you saw, when I was watching the 1934 version, I was like, Macquarie loves old films. He loves classic films, and he pays homage to all of them. I mean, when you look at Rogue Nation, uh, the big opera scene is a, obviously an homage to The Man Who Knew Too Much. And then the second yeah. big set piece takes place in Casablanca, where... Uh, ethan and ilsa's relationship is sort of blossoming and because there is sort of like this romantic tension between them and then the third act takes place in uh london which obviously like an homage like james bond where it's less like larger scale and obviously it's like this foot chase through the alleyways and i just thought he just what he does is he just admires the grandfathers of the genre so much i mean we're only three years removed from mad max fury road which is arguably the greatest action film of all time and he pays so much homage to that film in this like because you were saying that he doesn't use a lot of wide shots he uses a lot of very tight shots and that's why Mad Max Fury Road and Fallout work as well as they do I mean obviously there's like grand shots throughout but throughout the action everything is tight and focused in frame and it's just or because here's the thing George Miller and Christopher McQuarrie they do it just right to the point where you can see everything that's happening but they If they get too close, then it just becomes too jumbled. And if you get too far, you kind of lose the choreography of everything. Um, And just the way that he choreographs action is beautiful. And I love what he's able to bring to the franchise. I kind of want him to do a seventh film, but I also want to see a new take as well, because that's one of the greatest things about the franchise. Because like I mentioned earlier with Crimes of uh, Grindelwald, just it was... why can't these franchises just do what mission impossible does in early Harry <laughs> Potter? Like, cause look what they do is they, cause it's the first true direct sequel out of all of them too. We yeah. know how many years, um, it's been since uh, rogue nation and all the other ones are like unidentified amount of years in time. So what they do is they get a new voice in there to be able to tell a story that is similar kind of within the realm of the universe And they kind of implement their own cinematic language and then you get this like really unique product. Even though I think 2 is a pile of steaming garbage. Wow. it, It is John Woo's film. And I love when you can at least tell that there's a director in the chair. I'd rather get an interesting failure than like a good boring film. You know what I mean? Like it just, I want to be able to see that there's a voice there. And I wish that more of these movies would try that or these franchise films at least because then you're really just constantly you're coming back to see the same characters but they're being told in a different way and that's so important to me and I think that's why Star Wars is kind of in a weird path as well in that regard because they keep getting white males to direct their films but um, the same white males
1: similar style for the most part for Ryan Johnson
0: yeah of course and it's just it's very strange but Mission Impossible Fallout as soon as I got out of the theater um, I was like that's the biggest movie I've seen all year And I was thinking about all the other films I've seen, and I was like, Infinity War came out this year, too. And I was like, that movie, to me, didn't feel as big as Fallout did. And I think the reason why is because you could feel, you said it, there's these big action set pieces, but it was rooted in like this intimate reality. And like, it, you just believe that Tom Cruise could do these things because we've seen him do so many other things in the previous films. I mean, that shot of him running, chasing down the bad guy at the end of the Paris sequence—it looks like he's running at the speed of sound—and I think I got <laughs> chills for the next like ten minutes now, on a broken ankle, no less. That I mean, his
1: run, that classic Cruise run.
0: Yeah, and, and the movie is self-aware; it's it's understands what the franchise is, and it's the centerpiece of the franchise to me. It just. It brings the whole table together, and I think if they never made a Mission Impossible film again, I'd be super happy because it ends on this note, but at the same time, I want there to be so many more because I think it is one of the most dynamite franchises we have, and we should appreciate it while we have Tom Cruise and while we have the directors that we have.
1: I, I will say I did I did feel the the absence of Jeremy Renner, whose character I've actually grown to like a lot in this movie. Like I'm actually a pretty big fan of Brant, and I, I, that could just mean me being a huge Renner fan generally um i sort of wish they would have at least passingly mentioned that a little bit but i guess that was yeah. that and sort of i thought i don't know i thought the the Cruz ferguson chemistry was sort of off in this movie compared to rogue nation a little bit and that's sort of the two like if you can call them negatives negatives that i had with the movie uh, there's just a little bit of a disconnect there yeah
0: yeah uh rebecca ferguson yeah she didn't quite she wasn't in the film quite as much as i anticipated but i still felt her personal dilemma in 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 the grand scheme of things and i still understood where everyone was on the chessboard in relation to one another and i think sean harris is a great talent and he's basically the joker to ethan's batman so um it's it was a dynamite film it's my favorite film of the year i didn't think annihilation could be topped but uh here we go here we are with mission impossible fallout i Gave it a solid 98 out of 100. I love the shit out of it, man. (laughs) And I cannot. I I haven't unseen what I've seen, man. Every day I wake up being like, I can't believe I saw that bathroom scene. I can't believe I saw (laughs) that Halo jump sequence, which we didn't even talk about. Um, Just an incredible film. So. um, All right. So this week, um, opening wide is Christopher Robin, a Disney film. Um, It looks pretty good I've heard really good things about it uh growing up I was a huge Winnie the Pooh fan one year I dressed up as Winnie the Pooh when I was like three years old I think and it's still one of the greatest pictures ever taken of me I'm just so adorable I had really chubby cheeks too um so I'm excited I'm gonna see it Sunday I'm not seeing it tonight I'm actually seeing Teen Titans go tonight with my brother and then I'm gonna see Christopher Robin on Sunday so uh quick thoughts on Christopher Robin are you gonna see it this weekend are you excited what are you anticipating?
1: Yeah, I, I'll probably see it this weekend. I'm—I wouldn't say I'm like super excited, but I think it looks like a pretty solid movie um, with like a pretty good emotional core. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really excited for Haley Atwell, personally. Um, I yeah. think she's a, a really underrated performer. I'd love to see her in in more big movies, kind of like this. Um, I mean, I think we kind of know what to expect from McGregor, who's just kind of always delivers for the most part, even in bad movies that we've seen, as we've seen kind of time and time again. Um, mm-hmm. Who is not a character that i have super connected to my childhood, so it's not as much of a nostalgia thing for me. Yeah. But I think the big thing for me is one of my favorite independent filmmakers, Alex Ross Perry, wrote the screenplay for this, um, mm. and actually yeah. I, I interviewed him um, when he when he came oh, to wow. visit my school, and he he's he's an uh, indie director who's done you know a couple of movies, some one called Queen of Earth, uh, one called Golden Exits from this year. Um, Queen of Earth is just one of my favorites, my personal favorite movies of all time, but. Yeah, I think he's gonna bring an interesting sensibility to the to the script for this, um, and yeah, I think Mar- Mark Forster's a solid director. Um, aside from Quantum of, Quantum of Solace, um, I I kind of like his, his oh, style. Oh yeah, so. yeah, um, I, yeah. I Generally, generally though, I, I do like his style. I think that, um, you know, Pooh's giving me, giving me light Paddington vibes. Not quite quite on that level, but I yeah. think that it's it's gonna be something that. Um, it's just like a pleasant and warm experience and the the sort of kind of kids movie that i would more gravitate towards bringing like relatives and other people to yeah uh, rather than sort of the mindless uh, fair that is something like you know like a minions or um, <laughs> something like along those lines yeah yeah
0: um yeah you know for me Winnie the Pooh would just having an older version of Christopher Robin is really cool and is a really unique dynamic because I kind of already know what the movie's about you can kind of get the vibe from the trailers like you know spending more time with your family letting go of the past you know trying to be strong and what i love about the hundred acre wood um universe is that it is just a bunch of different types of characters with different personalities and they all kind of blend in you've got the mother relationship the mother-daughter relationship you've got the pessimist you've got the optimist you've got a uh, poo who i feel like i embody the most in terms of like you know i like you know, certain things. And sometimes all I want to do is just do those things to just get away from the reality of everything. Um, And so it's a, it's a really beautiful world and I'm really excited to see it. And I really can't wait to see it on Sunday. I really want to see it tonight, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull off a double feature, um, unfortunately, but yeah, um, I'm excited.
1: Yeah. I will say one thing that's sort of making me a little nervous is Disney generally screens their stuff for, for the press and for critics uh, two weeks in Mm -hmm. advance. But this oh, one yeah. this one's being screened the day before. So I'm not saying that doesn't necessarily spell doom and gloom, but I think that's I don't know, it's not something that you know, it's super yeah. psyched about, but uh, that could mean nothing. Yeah. We'll see.
0: Yeah, I'm a little worrisome. I realized last night I was scrolling through Twitter and everyone's like, At the press screening for Christopher Robin and I was like, This is a Disney film, right? Like <laughs> this should have happened like weeks ago. Um, but yeah, i mean, I'm excited. So we'll see about that. So Now, on to the third and final topic before we do the ABCs of movies and head out of here for the weekend. Um, Third topic. Uh, So, James Gunn, director of Slither, Super, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 1 and 2. About 10 years ago, uh, roughly, he had made some tweets because that was the type of person he was at the time. Uh, Very inappropriate tweets and... Just very offsetting, um, very upsetting as well, um, and it, it kind of made me lose interest in certain pages and certain people over the last few weeks. And it's something that I figured we would talk about just to kind of get some, you know, different dialogue about it, because um, there is a lot of things coming up, coming up every day. Uh, recently, we had the Guardians of the Galaxy cast um, release a statement as a group, saying that they would like James Gunn to be rehired, and they believe that he's a fully changed person. Um, and that he is different from the person he was a bunch of years ago. Um, Because on one hand, uh, on a personal level, I firmly believe in the act of forgiveness. And I believe that is something everyone should try. Uh, and, get, and get a part of their system because it's very important um, and believe in the growth of people. I firmly believe James Gunn has grown as a person. Look at his Guardians of the Galaxy films. I don't love those films. The first one's okay. The second one is garbage. But, <laughs> uh, you know, in, in the end, in the end, both films are about being better people, about flawed people learning to be uh, better versions of themselves. And I think that's a really powerful message for someone that now we know. Like, he even hates that, Part of his life his brother even acknowledges that he was not a good person at that time maybe he was a good person but his attitude and tone and style of comedy simply did not work and i think a lot of people uh, relegating it to just dark humor and people need to just like there's a reason it's called dark humor like it's only going to work for literally like 0.01 it's not going to work for the 99 and just some of the things he said my issue personally is that If they were spread out types of dark humor, okay, but all the tweets are about the same thing, and it's very upsetting being the oldest of so many siblings and having, you know, so many young kids in my house. Like, if I heard someone talking about my siblings that way, I'd be very upset and very angry. Um... And then on the other hand as well, I think that Disney has no sense of consistency. They don't have a spine because they allow people like Johnny Depp to still work for them. They allow other flawed people. I mean, a lot of people keep saying, oh, well, Walt Disney was a racist. It's like, okay, here's the deal, is that that was a completely different era of film. And obviously he was a not exactly a very good person, but during that time it wasn't seen as a necessarily a bad thing by the general public because it was a different era. So, so sort of looking at this James Gunn scenario on a wider scope instead of a vacuum is very concerning to me. And um, trying to say that, you know what he said isn't as bad because they're quote unquote jokes. And I don't think they're jokes. I think it's generally disgusting things. And I think Disney made the best business business decision they could have made they don't want that baggage with them with guardians of the galaxy volume 3 which is one of the biggest franchises in the world right now and i completely understand uh, businesses are immoral and unethical they always have been and always will be um and that's just a fact of the matter they said that they don't plan on rehiring Gunn. and although chris hardwick just got reinstated for talking dead i thought james gunn wouldn't be too far too far behind in getting his job back but I don't think it's going to happen simply because Disney is a family first studio and what he said way back then
1: is not good at all. So what are your thoughts? So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we talked about this now and not right when it happened. I think it, it gives time for some perspective and for some, mm-hmm. some thinking. Um, so, yeah, I have a few thoughts on this. Um, first of all, the tweets were like, just to be quite frank, they're fucking gross. Like they're discussing, yep. And they're not something I would ever try to defend Whatsoever But I do have an issue With the Mostly just the way That it was handled um, A So yeah I'm gonna start with The first thing Is that you know Disney has a his- Again an inconsistent History of this kind of stuff um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know Who Victor Salva is But Yes He's the director Of Vic- Jeepers Creepers He was hired by Disney To make films for them After he was A convicted Sexual abuser Of children mm-hmm. So I find that to be a, a, you know very again inconsistent on Disney's part um, this gun stuff was already dealt with in 2012 they already yep. dealt with his his these tweets um, so I just that's a terrible precedent for me to set is to just have double and triple jeopardy on the table so you sort of are always at liberty of being um, you know put on trial again for stuff that you've done um, in the court of public opinion I I don't understand this this the need for Disney I guess to to react to it in this way mostly because a lot of their audience like you said the family audience is not really reading Mike Cernovich's Twitter so I don't I don't think that again and also like the messenger who pointed to these acts is someone who very clearly doesn't care about them himself when Mm -hmm. he's said a lot of other disgusting things that are just about far worse as bad if not worse um, and repeatedly and much more currently than James Gunn ha- ever has or ever will. Um, so I think sort of arming someone like that with with what they think is a victory is a super dangerous. Um, d- also, the fact that they didn't even take time to think about it. They just did it yeah. on the spot is really, I think, concerning. If I was a filmmaker with any sort of um, you know name in the industry, I would not want to work with Disney. They clearly like you could make them tons of money and be supportive of them. Um, and they'll just drop you at the drop of a hat if it's, if it's convenient for them. And I think that's it's just really dangerous precedence in, in multiple different areas. Again, the tweets themselves I will never defend. Um, but again, we've already dealt with this. He's already answered for these quote-unquote crimes um, in a social sense. And yeah, I, I don't know. The way that Disney's carrying itself and the fact that they're um, going to be so dominant in the marketplace... Um, yeah. This is really concerning to me, I think, for just the film industry as a whole, because if they're so dominant and this is the way that they handle things, that sort of has influence on other people as well.
0: Yeah. So. And, and, you know, with uh, Bob Iger apparently, you know, gearing up for a potential presidential run in a couple years, you know, uh, how is this going to look on him? I mean, obviously he and Alan Horn are the two top dogs there and they kind of make the fun. Fi- I mean, Kevin Feige had nothing to do with the firing. He's just the guy that kind of oversees the universe. Um, and everything else just goes through Iger and Horn. And it's just a decision that it happened so quick that when I saw it, I was like, this is a joke. But then I had only seen like one tweet at that time. And I was like, oh, okay, like really one tweet. And then I found out it was a slew of other tweets as well that, you know, it's just we live in a weird society where like even like people all of a sudden notice that Ryan Johnson deleted like 20,000 tweets. And it's just like, okay, listen, like people just need to get off these people's back like they're they're just people like the rest of us and you know you're trying to hunt them down and like basically trying to crucify everyone that's you know potentially good i mean it just it's strange because gun did apologize and apparently disney said they knew nothing about it but it sounds like disney is just trying to cover their ass just to still make gun look bad but in the end when guardians of the galaxy volume 3 comes out and it might be delayed apparently just a rumor um On one hand, I still am kind of excited to see a new voice get in there. Everyone wants Taika Waititi. I say F off with that. Uh, (laughs) Hopefully, we get someone else. But um, on the other, too, it's like I think they should rehire Gunn because the cast loves him. Dave Bautista is pissed more than anybody else. And I think that, you know, he's clearly a changed person. And I think that they should. They probably won't because it's Disney and I'm just a lowly citizen of the United States. And in the end, I just feel like, just be care- first of all, be careful what you say in a social media setting. Um, Jeff Snyder lended some really good perspective to this because he, too, was fired for saying some things on Twitter. Um, and he sort of went on a rant about it and saying that, you know, he was fired from a $75,000 a year job at Mashable because of what he said. And he said that, you know, when you have to understand where these businesses are coming from. And I feel like a lot of people do. Um, I feel like a lot of people know now that businesses do make these very seemingly easy decisions. Um, but uh, in the end, I just think that Gunn, he's an honest man. He's a change man. But at the same time, like some of the things he said are just completely unforgivable. Um, and I think they're just really disgusting. And I think, too, I just realized last week, um, which I'm also glad I waited to talk about now because I have so much more perspective, uh, is that... A lot of those tweets were post-Scooby-Doo, because he wrote Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed, the ultimate guilty movie pleasures, the ultimate, (laughs) to me, meme movies. Yes, uh, I think think those films are incredible uh, on every conceivable level of stupidity. But, um, you know, it just kind of put a weird taste in my mouth, too, then, because he's making these tweets after he basically wrote a script that sort of gave the mystery incorporated team a harder our version there's more cleavage more curse words more weird sensual behavior and to me it just like i don't know if i mean maybe there's more dimensions to him just those being jokes maybe there, I mean i'm not saying there is i'm just saying that we can't just exclude that because people are obviously going to say oh no he's completely changed he would never do those things he's not committing acts but at the same time like he is saying these things around the release of other kid-friendly films and i think if he's trying to turn those things into sort of like this adult behavior type of thing it just maybe there's more there than we think right. and i th- feel like with the release of those scooby-doo films and saying those things after i mean just uh, the one tweet my friend made a good point about it last week as well as like he linked a video or linked his website but the tweet was like here's a video of 100 pubescent girls touching themselves just to like get people to click on the link but it's his website and it's like how is that humor how is that that's gross i don't think
1: it was his website i think it was like a a stupid youtube video It was like a rickroll kind of thing from from what i from what i know the situation Um, but another i will say a couple other things i think that for another thing disney just put like the new director in such an awful 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 situation no matter who it is that's all that's going to be talked about it's not oh this new person gets to you know, direct this exciting franchise for MCU. It's going to be like, oh, this person's taking over for you know, accused pedophile James Gunn and all this other stuff. It's it's going to cause a whole cloud over the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this does also set a dangerous precedent as far as like, like if people aren't allowed to like change, then what motivation do they have to become like a better person? You know what I mean? Like, yep. if he can't, if he's if, you know, you mad if he made bad things in the past that you just like. You're just done with us now. Like you're not a member of society. You can't improve, and I think that takes away from people's motivation to become better people. And I think that's that's sort of a really bad, um, a bad thing to say. I guess with with your actions. So I think that that's another just dangerous thing. And yeah, it's it's I don't know. It's a super nuanced situation. Obviously, there's yeah. there's issues and stuff. But Gunn also came from the world of exploitation cinema, and he's he's mm-hmm. kind of always been this brash, irreverent uh, person who's got really dark humor. So I think that. Um, again Disney also like knew what what they were getting into when they hired him these tweets were already existent, so I think that again like the thing I mentioned earlier the double jeopardy thing is what really gets me is like you deal with something and then you have to keep dealing with it over and over and over again when you've already been told it's resolved when Disney was already aware of the tweets before so that's yeah, that's what really bothered me about the situation.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a frustrating scenario, and with Disney acquiring Fox, you're right; it sets a very dangerous precedent. And I don't care what anybody says, people do not realize how bad it is that Disney owns another major studio as Fox. Congratulations, you're going to see X Men and Avengers Fantastic five 4 in six years. In the Avengers. Yep, we're finally going to get a good, uh, we're finally going to get a good Fantastic Four film because it's in the MCU. So whatever, you know, it's just. Also, too, people are like, oh, well, you know, if they do that with Roseanne Barr and uh, the lady from the Food Network channel, there's a difference between saying racist things and saying what Gunn said. Because although what Gunn said is very uncomfortable and very disgusting and just horrible, I mean, there's, if you say, like,
1: the N-word or you say, like, other more racist things. Well, also, that was directly pointed at a specific person, yes. which I think is what makes it dangerous. And it happened, like, a month ago. It didn't happen ten Precisely. years ago. It's something that clearly, in the case of Roseanne, she still thinks to this day. If you look at her activity, yeah. as we as we live and breathe, um, I think there's a huge, huge difference in that regard. And yeah, there's I don't know, there's not a lot for me. There's not a lot of parallels to draw in that situation. They're um, yeah, two totally different yeah, two totally different yeah. scenarios. Well,
0: and the, and the other thing is too is when when this news first happened, I was convinced like because the person might cernovich or whatever horrible person he sought out gun to expose gun you know as this dude that like was trying to take the moral high ground which (laughs) it's kind of funny because you know i follow gun on twitter and every day um without getting too political he bashes trump and says trump says all these disgusting things blah 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 but gun is over here saying pretty disgusting things as well um and it's kind of bizarre how all these like personalities take the moral high ground. But at the same time, I was going to say uh, that I didn't think it was a political act or a political decision, but it is a 100% a political decision. I've completely changed my tune on that um, with a little more perspective and listening to other people talk about it. Um, but hopefully you can I'll, forgive me for I'll, changing. Also, I don't, I don't know about <laughs> you, but I,
1: I tend to hold uh, my elected officials to higher standards than my film director. 100%, yep. Absolutely. So that's all
0: I'll say about that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I agree. I also agree in that regard. And um, I'm just I'm just very curious as to how this is going to shape Hollywood moving forward. It really it's really going to change. Um, and, unfor- and for bad reasons. People should be able to change, like you said. People should be able to um, grow as people, and that's important. I know a lot of people that had really rough childhood, teenage, younger adult years, and then they blossomed into really good people and i think that's really important to see that growth as a person it's one of the greatest values um we have as uh, as beings on this earth and i think that disney instantly firing him is a very premature and very lazy decision um and now we're just going to be talking about this forever until he gets rehired or unless the guardians crew uh boycotts performing in the film we'll see but uh that's pretty much it for that unless you have anything else to add no i think that's pretty much all i had to say about the situation all right sweet well uh that'll do it for the topics today uh we're gonna move into the final segment my favorite segment of the show because i like to listen to my guests uh sort of sound like they're engulfed in like flames because they're so confused as to like why they can't think of a title for the letter uh a title of a movie for the letter so the abc's and movies rules because all games have rules um the name of the movie must start with the letter of the alphabet Um, so example the greatest showman only qualifies for t not g um franchises the letter of the franchise begins with counts but you have to say which film in that franchise for example harry potter does not count harry potter and the chamber of secrets does um or like harold and kumar go to white castle or lord of the rings return of the king you can't just say lord of the rings um you can't skip a letter um and the record is 15 letters held by me and mikey Brzezinski. Um, So yeah, you just start from a I'm gonna start a timer you have a minute I don't know why I never put that in the rules, but um, (laughs) you have a minute uh, So open up my so we're just name
1: just naming off movies, right?
0: Yep So you start with a so you go a b c d so you'll start with a you say a movie that starts with the letter a then b then c then d e f g uh, all the way down to z so um, Mikey and I got to P so if you can get to P you tied the record if you can get to Q then uh yeah i'm a then you'll have beaten the record yes <laughs> um all right sweet so let me know when you're ready and then i will start
1: the timer let me cancel so we're gonna do... okay i don't get points off if I name horrible movies right
0: nope it's just any movie <laughs> you could name off
1: um think i don't know think of a shitty movie Right, the oh, of I, I, one of my letters is going to be a shitty movie.
0: Okay, sweet. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so if you're ready, I'm going to count down from five. Yep. And then once I say go, as soon as you start with the first uh, word, the first letter, then uh, it's when it's the one minute start. So five,
1: four, three, two, one, go. A most violent year, Blade Runner, Children of Men, Doctor Doolittle, Aragon, Freaky Friday, Yikes, Grave of the Fireflies, Yummy, Her, Yummy, um, Insanities. Wow, this is yeah. You're right. This is putting it on the spot. Jaws. Um, wow. Yeah. Oof. Jeez. Um, Killing them softly. Uh, Letters from Iwo Jima. Monsters Inc. Uh, let's see. Never, no. uh, Never go back. Um, Time. Oh my God! Couldn't time. even get so to got... O. Couldn't even get to O.
0: No, that's 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 good though, man. You got uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven.
1: Yes, yeah, so you got
0: about uh, fourteen, which is quite good. Um, and maybe I don't know the letters on my alphabet. So fifteen is O, and not P. Okay. Anyways, you did a great job. Um, one thing I want to point out, it it blows my mind. I've this is the thirteenth week I've done this, and when I did it, I did it with my friend at work in the break room and so when I got to K, I was having a tough time and so I said, for some reason, killing them softly and then I had Mikey on, he also said killing them softly, I had another person on, they said killing them softly and now you said it as well and I'm thinking of all the movies that start with K and I'm like, Kill Bill, Kingsman, Killer Elite, for some reason I think about that because I have the Blu-ray for some well, reason. It's better than all three of those, by the way. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, But... It's just very strange that killing them softly is the recurring film, and now every time I get to K, I'm gonna anticipate someone to say that. I think it's absolutely hilarious. Um, so, yeah, great job. Um, I think you are tied with Brady. I had Brady Warren on a couple of weeks ago. Well, Ugh, technically, like a month the ago.
1: Could have, could
0: Brady. Yeah, I think you're tied with Brady. But I can't um, believe um, if I couldn't just think of Ocean's Eleven, which is one of my favorite yeah. movies. God damn yeah, it. when I got to P, I said. Uh, what did I say for P? I think I said uh, Parent Trap.
1: I had, per- I, got... I had Persepolis in my head, ready to go, Persepolis. but I just couldn't I think it. of. Oh, what is that? It's an uh, animated movie uh, made in in the Middle East. Oh,
0: cool, interesting. I yeah, I said Parent Trap, and then when I got to Q, I had like a couple seconds left. I couldn't think of anything for Q. Really, Quiz uh, Show
1: just rolls off the tongue. I feel like.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Quantum of Solace is one that I couldn't Ooh. think about. Uh, there's a uh, there's a not too many movies that start with Q off the top of my head. But yeah, um, great job. Great show. Uh, thank you for being on. Um, is there anything that you've seen recently that you want to talk about? Anything uh, you're excited about going forward? Are creating any content? I know that you're moving to California shortly, which is a pretty big move. Um, so we talked about your rent for that.
1: And that oh, seems... yeah. Brutal. Yeah. Brutal. <laughs> My GoFundMe. No, I'm kidding. I don't have a GoFundMe. <laughs> um, no, I mean, as far as stuff that I've seen recently, um, I guess – I'll pick something that is a little more obscure. Um, so about a week ago, um, I watched a movie called Obvious Child. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, nope. Starring Jenny Slate, who's, who's going to be in the upcoming Venom movie. Um, and basically it stars her who as a, as a young comedian who um, ends up pregnant after a, a one-night stand and sort of has to deal with that. Um, it's a child she doesn't really want. But she sort of has to come to grips with whether she wants to go through with the, the abortion and stuff. Um, and she's just trying to, you know, figure out her, her place in the, in the adult life. Um, it's a really great indie. Um, again, it's an it's a A24 movie, so I think, you know, people would be pretty pretty psyched about that, that element, I guess. But, yeah, she gives a really great performance. It's super heartwarming and makes me laugh and makes me smile. And, yeah, I, just, I like that a lot. As far as content I'm creating, I'm not really actively creating anything as of right now. Um, I mean, you can check me out on letterboxd always just search my name paul yama and yeah i'm gonna be spending the the fall in in los angeles um i'm gonna be interning there um through a, a school program um at my school indiana university so that's gonna be super exciting but yeah i'm not really creating any content per se but you might be you might find me just around on the internet talking movies various places yeah
0: um it was awesome having you on i recently um obviously i kind of because. I talk to you very often now, more than I ever anticipated. Um, Because we're very similar types of people. We had a very long conversation about baseball, which is really funny. Um, But yeah, like I kind of mentioned to you, um, I kind of want to get... Um, a co-host or someone that's on every week with me uh just because i feel like uh, i'm able to sort of build a camaraderie bounce off of them you know because yeah. i was telling uh, my friend this and i was saying it's nice having a new guest on every week and if i were to have a co-host i'd still try and at least get a new guest on just to get some different perspectives um but it i feel like having a new guest on it kind of puts me in a corner because i want to be able to talk about all these things but i don't know what type of what type of humor they have and it's sometimes it's my first time ever talking to these people yeah so it's just it's very you have to kind of build something there it's our first time ever technically talking over a voice channel yeah. um but no i mean it feels like i've known you for a while mainly because we spent like six hours just <laughs> talking about so much but um yeah, thank you for being on. I'm going to be working on my Mad Max Fury Road and Seven, Seven Samurai video this week, The Beauty of Simplicity. I'm very excited to talk about that. It's a very harrowing task because you have to do both films extreme justice, especially Seven Samurai. Um, and then uh, I'm working on some new Scamander stuff, like I said, and then I got another very big project uh, coming next year. I also have a really cool opportunity coming up that I can't, quite talk about yet you're you're the director of guardians 3 right no that would be (laughs) pretty nice it'd be awful you think guardians 2 is bad you no 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 you don't know um i don't even know how to move a camera on a dolly so anyways um (laughs) uh that'll be it for this week's episode of the showtime with roman podcast i'm glad to be back sorry if it seems like i'm a little rusty it just It's been so long. I'm not used I haven't had internet. I've been watching so many movies going on a very long cinematic journey, discovering more about myself and more about why I love the medium that I do. Thank you again, Paul, for being on. I got to have you on again very soon. So much coming out, so much more to talk about. Uh, That's it for this week. Keep going to the theater. Keep on watching movies and uh, that's going to be it. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend, guys. Peace.